Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 tonight. Matthew chapter number 5 this evening. And uh, we're going to pick up and carry on uh, in our study on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5. I encouraged you uh, the week or the last time that I preached it to read it once a day, three chapters. If you could squeeze it in and read more than that, do that. But I hope you've familiarized yourself, uh, at least to a degree, uh, with these three chapters. If you've not, we've got a lot of preaching to go. Let this be an encouragement to you tonight uh, to, to do that. And that way you'll anticipate where we'll be. You'll have questions. You'll have thoughts. Your mind will be meditating on it. And maybe uh, you'll have some things and you'll ask the Lord about it. And maybe God will use me to answer some of them questions that you have as we go through it. Uh, let's study it together and uh, preach it together, receive it together. And uh, what a blessed text that it is tonight. Uh, I, I want to read uh, the first 12 verses this evening. And we want to read, uh, I want to read in our hearing tonight uh, all of the Beatitudes. There's nine of them. Uh, much like the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and I, I will do my best tonight to get to the next one in our order. Uh, that's verse 5. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm going to do my best to get to the explanation of what that is, but we may not make it that far. There's some ground that I want to cover tonight on the way there uh, that I want you to get before we go any further in these Beatitudes. Uh, we, we, I gave an introduction a few weeks ago, I preached uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we looked uh, last week at blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Tonight, we'll try to get to blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, but if we don't make it that far, that'll be all right. Bear with me. I want to I lay a little bit more of a foundation for you, show you some things that may benefit uh, our study. Let's read it together tonight. If you've been seated for a little while, if you want to stand with me, I would invite that. Verse number one. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That's all we'll read tonight. Lord, we ask you tonight to help us. We need it. We ask you to do that. God, I'm going to dial myself back tonight if you'll help me. 
And uh, I'm going to walk through this text, God. We, we need it. I need it. Lord, thank you for what you've shown me. I pray, God, that you'd help me to bring it forth, Lord, with, with wisdom and unction and discernment and liberty. God, give me that that I need. Give us that that we need. Lord, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the cross of Calvary where you make men free, where you make men forgiven. Lord, thank you tonight for that. We bless your name. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh, the, the reason why, I've, uh, and, and we, we're headed towards the next in line, blessed are the meek, for, there's, uh, or, or for they shall inherit uh, the earth. We're headed there, but the reason why I've uh, chosen, I feel the Lord leading to uh, give a little bit more of a foundation is because I, I want you to see and I want us to see together uh, the, the significance of what is being said in relation to where we are right now. Uh, there are two schools of thought uh, and if you take notes, you might want to get your pen out and your paper out. If, you, if you're accustomed to doing that, you might want to write this down. Uh, it, it might be beneficial to you in your studies of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, remember it's chapter 5, 6, and 7, about 15 minutes of preaching. Uh, if you read through it in a preacher voice, take you about 15 minutes to get to the end of a short sermon. But my goodness, what a power-packed, powerful uh, text. Uh, this uh, two schools of thought, two uh, distinct ways of approaching the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there is a group, and I, I do not disagree with them wholeheartedly. I disagree with them in sections, and I'll show you that uh, in just a minute. Uh, but I do believe that they make some valid points, and I uh, would go along with them to a degree, one school of thought, uh, is this, they believe that Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and much of the book of Matthew uh, is written uh, with the Jews in mind, chapter 24 being one of those chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, and that there was a physical offer of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. Uh, they would take this and say uh, that he came unto his own, being the nation of Israel, and his own received him not. Uh, they, they rejected him, but he was offering them the physical kingdom. And so as they would read the Beatitudes, all nine of them, they would say that this is a physical offering of Jesus. He has come to Jerusalem and he is offering to the nation of Israel, if you'll receive me, uh, I will be your king. If you'll receive me, I will uh, set up an earthly kingdom right here right now. Uh, they would uh, make a distinction between these two phrases. Uh, one being the kingdom of God, the other being the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if my memory serves me right, in 76 verses in the New Testament, you'll see the phrase the kingdom of God. Uh, in 33 verses uh, in the uh, New Testament, you'll see the phrase the kingdom of heaven. Uh, they will make a distinction, those who of this school of thought, and they will say uh, that they are two different things. The kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what they would uh, bring forth would be that the kingdom of God, and I believe it's Romans chapter 14, the Bible said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
And so what they would say would be that God has a kingdom, it's the kingdom of God, and when he saves a man, he puts him in that kingdom, and he gives him those things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so they would say that the church is a part of God's kingdom. We are in God's kingdom, and because of that, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I would agree with that. Aren't you glad God has given us? It has been imputed into us righteousness, peace, and joy that we did not have apart from Christ. They would take the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, and they would say that that is, the kingdom of God would be that which is spiritual, that which we received upon the new birth, and the kingdom of heaven would be that which is physical. And they would make the distinction and say that that is what Jesus was offering. Israel, if you'll receive me, I'll become your king right now. Israel, if you'll receive me, I'll become your Messiah today. And in doing so, he would do what he's going to do in the millennial reign. He would, uh, he would conquer the nations. He would seat uh, himself on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And he would rule the nations with a rod of iron. And he would be Israel's Messiah if they would receive him. And so people take that approach and say that the Sermon on the Mount was not a spiritual offer as much as it was a physical offer right here and right now, I'll give it to you. Uh, here would be my, uh, my backing up from that. Uh, I believe that to a degree. Uh, I believe that he made that offer, but God uh, is so providential. God is so uh, filled with foreknowledge that God knew that the... Israel would reject him and the church is not plan B, C, D, E, F, or G. The church is plan A. From the very foundation of the world, God was moving towards the church. Before Adam was made, Eve was made, before they sinned in the garden, God had the church in mind. As a matter of fact, even in Adam and Eve, there is a picture of the church that God had in mind. Uh, it's not a second thought. And so if you completely took that thought and said that, uh, that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are different, maybe they are, I wouldn't argue too much with someone about it, but if you took that thought that this was a physical offering only, uh, then in essence, you're saying that had they received it, there'd have been no church. Had they received it, there'd be no you and there'd be no me. There'd been no Calvary. And I got news for you, he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I'm gonna run that one by you again. I know it's Wednesday night, folks are tired, but y'all help me right there. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. I'm not an afterthought. You're not an afterthought. We're not a backup plan. We're not a side note in the agenda of God, but God's always had the church on his mind. It is a mystery of old times that's revealed in these days to the world, the church. And so that's one school of thought. That's one way of approaching it. I don't disagree with them entirely. Here's what I would offer to you tonight before I give you the second school of thinking. Here's what I would offer tonight. It would be this, that it is one coin and two sides to the same coin. I, I believe the Sermon on the Mount was a, uh, in fact, dealing with a physical offer. 
If you get into God's family, if you get into God's family, there is coming a day uh, at the end of the church age, the church is gonna get raptured out of here. How many of y'all believe that tonight? We're headed out of here and when we leave here, this world is headed into tribulation unlike it's ever seen or known in all of its existence. And for seven years, uh, this world is going to be in what's called the time of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. Uh, at the end of that great tribulation, Israel's going to get saved. And when Israel gets saved, Jesus is coming back at the end. He's coming back with you and me, mind you. The church is coming back with him. He's coming back riding a white horse and he's coming to take over his throne in Jerusalem. And Jesus is physically in a body going to take the throne. He's going to be the king of kings, lord of lords. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And I'll be in a physical uh, glorified body and will physically live on this earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. You can, you can uh, study it out if, you, if you're not familiar with it. And for a thousand years, we're gonna live on this earth in a physical glorified body. We're gonna live with him as he physically reigns in a body in Jerusalem. Uh, so in that sense, uh, I, I believe uh, that if you get in the kingdom of God, uh, you are uh, destined for a physical offer that has been made. It really is physical. It really is gonna happen. This is not just mystical. This is not just spiritual, but these are physical things that's going to happen. Uh, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Not only is God interested in comforting you right now, but he's gonna take a thousand years and comfort you over everything you ever lost, everything you ever gave up, every sorrow you ever faced for the name of Christ. He's going, there's gonna be comfort there physically that this world is only known through the church spiritually. Does that make sense? That's one school of thinking. Don't let me bore you. I, well, I guess you ain't got no control over it, but I'm going to try not to bore you. Uh, here's the other school of thinking. This is the other approach. Uh, there would be those, uh, and I lean more towards this, uh, who would say that this is a spiritual uh, offer. It's not as much physical that something's gonna happen one day or something that might, or not might, but something that will happen uh, uh, one day in the future, but literally these things are ours now. These things belong to us when we get saved. And all of these beatitudes, uh, there would be a group that would say that it is spiritual. It applies to you right now. One side would say it is the there and then. Another side would say it is the here and now. God wants to give you the kingdom right now. Uh, and they would use, instead of it being a physical offer, that it is a spiritual offer. And that all of these things are spiritual. All of these things are that for us to get a hold of at this very moment. And, and they would say that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable terms and that God, when he speaks of the kingdom of heaven, is talking about the same as when he speaks of the kingdom of God and they are the same. And I, I wouldn't argue with anybody over that, uh, but here's what I do believe tonight. Uh, I believe both of them to a degree are right. 
And I want you to know that when you're, I want you at least to know what I think when you read this text. Let me explain it to you. You got one coin, uh, you get a quarter. On the front side, there's an image. On the back side, there's an image. Or on the, depending on the way you're holding it, on the top side, there's an image. And on the bottom side, there's an image. Does that make sense? But it's the same thing. Uh, and here's what I believe tonight, that when Jesus saves a sinner, he gives them uh, spiritually all of these things. They become a part of you. But not only that does he give them to us spiritually, but now we are awaiting the day that he gives us all of these things physically. Does that make, a, make any sense to you right there? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, right now, uh, if I uh, am mourning over my sin, there is comfort spiritually in forgiveness. There is comfort spiritually in freedom and cleansing from that sin. But there's coming a day when Jesus physically is going to comfort me. There's coming a day I'll physically be in his presence. I believe it is an offer on both ends He's got a whole lot for us spiritually right now and he's got a whole lot for us physically down the road. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't do things for us physically here. But if right now you're claiming that you're gonna have it all physically, you might be disappointed. I think that's where the Mormons uh, get pretty messed up and they get messed up in a lot of areas but I'm pretty sure that's where one of their places they get real messed up is they're looking for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven right now on earth physically and they believe that if we can just get the right politician and the right leader that God can turn America and God can do anything that he wants but that America is the kingdom of heaven on earth. It is the kingdom of God uh, embodied uh, and there's a spiritual revival gonna take place said everything right and, and, and the thing that they're missing uh, is that all of these things may not come to you physically right now but they are yours right now spiritually every one of these beatitudes belong to me and you I, I want to make a, a, a statement to you tonight and then I want to ask you a question um, here's the statement if you're saved Every one of these nine characteristic divine natures belong to you. Every one of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're saved, you are poor in spirit. If you're saved tonight, blessed are they that mourn. You are a mourner over sin. It's in you. Uh, I don't don't get too depressed tonight just yet because I know some of you are thinking, well, preacher, I don't know if I I don't know if I got all this in me or not. I got some of it, but not all of it. It's like the fruit of the spirit. You don't have one and and not others. This is the nature of God. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you have none of these characteristics. There's not even close. You could live your whole life and not even come close to possessing any of these nine beatitudes. They are, they are characteristic of the nature of God. And, and, and simply, I say simply put, uh, it's not real simple, I don't understand it all, but here's what happened. Uh, God came to this earth 
uh, 2,000 years ago in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and stood on this mountain uh, and said, I have brought God to man uh, to what God looks like and this is it this is what God looks like and then he went in there and began to describe the nature of God and everyone under his hearing had to face the indictment that that does not describe me at all Jesus said I've come to offer you a kingdom and I believe tonight that that offer is physical in a day to come. I believe right there and the there and then. I believe right here in the here and now. I believe that Jesus was offering that kingdom and said, if you're a part of me, you have this character in you. That's the only way you get it. You wasn't born with it. You can't work your way into it. As Jesus was preaching, as Jesus is teaching, every word that he said was more and more and more and more of an indictment to them. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Preacher, I don't know what all pure in heart means, but I'm pretty sure that's not me. You know that at some point they had to get honest with themselves. I thought about this afternoon as I was meditating on the text, I thought about Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus, uh, a, a, a spiritual religious leader uh, of the Jews. What did the Bible, didn't the Bible describe him as a scribe or a Pharisee? I believe he was a Pharisee. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Uh, and I think that's when most people go to looking for him at night. You say, why, why that? Because we're occupied during the day. Job keeps you busy. Work keeps you busy. And you do pretty good during the day and feel pretty good during the day. But it was by nine he come to Jesus and I believe to hide. He didn't want to be seen coming to the Messiah, coming to Jesus because Jesus completely overthrew their religious system. But I believe it was more than that. I believe conviction had got a hold of Nicodemus so bad that he comes to Jesus by night and he needs to know some things. He needs to talk to God about some things. And what he needs to talk to God about is that you said that if I'm like you, this is what I'm supposed to be like. And I've been telling everybody that I am a God-believing, God-follower, religious, fanatic person. But the truth of the matter is, is when I'm all by myself, I have to come to terms with the fact that I'm not as good as I want people to believe. People still exist like that in 2023. There's some of you in here tonight. And you enjoy church and you worship at church and you are excited at church. But when you get home, you have to confront yourself with does any of this describe me ever? And I want to ask you tonight as I think about that these uh, disciples, or not these disciples, but this congregation that gathered around and they were listening to Jesus preach, I, 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 I want to uh, uh, consider tonight for just a minute how they must have felt. God, I've kept the commandments, knowing good and well they had. I, I, let me make a statement about the commandments tonight. The commandments wasn't given to man to keep. They wasn't. 
Commandments wasn't given to man. You say, preacher, you tell me I ought not keep them. No, y'all do them. They're good things to do. But they wasn't given to man to keep because God knows man. And God knows that man's never going to keep his commandments. And man knows that he can't keep God's commandments. Honest man. A liar, a hypocrite, a religious person who's religious indeed only, I would say, well, I keep all of them. And you'd ask them and then they'd try to twist things and put stuff in a little corner and forget about that one and that one. But the Bible said if you've broken one point of the law, you've broken it all. And you might be able to say, I've never committed adultery. You might be able to say, I've never stolen. I, I've never committed murder. But there's, if there's a breaking of one point, you broke it all. And as Jesus is preaching, I mean, my goodness, the conviction has to be raging in their hearts. If he's right, I'm wrong. Just like today. Just like now. And so they're faced with that decision. I, I, I heard one man say this. He said, it's like a treadmill. <laughs> You're uh, doing a whole lot of work and getting nowhere. A religion based on works is like a treadmill. You're going through the motions and man, you're moving and you had not ever got anywhere. And you know it. And most people running the treadmill of religion, they come to the end of it and they get wore out and tired and say, you know, I'm tired of running on this treadmill. I never got anywhere. And I'm done. And we hear about people, they left the faith. You ever been in the faith? I don't believe you left the faith. I believe people can backslide, but to become one who has left the faith, who has apostatized, who has, uh, who has departed uh, uh, from believing uh, in God, I would say to you that they got tired of running on the treadmill. They got tired of their religious work. They, they run into Jesus one day and realize that they could not swallow their pride and trust him, uh, and so they continued on their little treadmill until they completely come to the end of themselves. Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus takes this matter of action and makes it a matter of heart. You've heard it's been said, don't do this, thou shalt not. But I say unto you, he brings man's heart into the equation. And every honest man as he reads this, every honest man as he looks at this, every honest man or woman as they hear this, they are pierced in their soul. They are convicted that they know that on my own I can't. On my own I'm not. On my own I never have. On my own I don't know how. I'm not. I can't. I can't, I can't. And all that Jesus is offering seems as if it's out of reach. All that Jesus is offering seems as, as if you, you could see it, you could touch it, but you know in your heart that there's no way I could ever get a hold of this kind of righteousness. Do you know why tonight? Because it's not righteousness you can produce. It's not righteousness you can come up with. It's not righteousness you can purchase. It's not righteousness you can perform. It is righteousness that describes the very nature of God and you were not born with that nature. But I want to say something on the other side of that. The moment you get born again, 
the moment Jesus comes into your heart, the moment you kneel before God in faith and repentance and say, Lord, I came and I am a sinner, you don't just get one of these attributes, you don't just get one of these characteristics, but you get every one of them, all nine of them become yours. They are living in you right now as I preach to you. I'm gonna say something to you tonight, sounds proud, but I can see them all in me. can. I hope you can. That sounds proud. I'll explain it a little bit more in a minute. Then it won't sound so proud. It is a divine character that I didn't come up with and I didn't earn it and I didn't accomplish it but I have received it by the new birth. One man said that uh, a little baby, we got all these little babies around here. What a blessing that is. And these little babies were born with life. They didn't have it before they were conceived and then brought forth from the mother's womb. Uh, they, they, they had it for, I believe, conception on, but I'm not here to teach a science class tonight. Uh, but, but, but they did not have life until God gave them life. But when God gave them life, he gave them all the life they're ever going to have. It's not measures of life. Well, he's got more life than I have or he's got less life than I have. You got life or you don't. You have life when you come into this world and you have it until you don't have it when you leave this world. You got all, Judson's got all the life he's ever going to have. He'll never be more alive than he is right now. If, he, if, if, if he's 50 years old one day, he'll be just alive tonight as he is when he's 50. And he'll be just alive at 50 as he is right now, tonight. Now, he may not know what to do with that life right now. They have to learn how to walk in that life. They have to learn how to talk in that life. You probably don't want to give them a car at that age. They might drive it off a cliff. And he's got life. And he's got as much of it as I do and you do. And that is the way it is when you get born again spiritually. I don't know how to do all of this stuff. I'm not good at doing all of this stuff. I struggle with all of this stuff. But, oh, thank God tonight, every bit of it's in me. All the life that I'm ever gonna need, eternal life God has given to me when he saved me. All the life that I'm ever gonna need God put in me the moment that I was born again. And that little newborn baby in Christ has got just as much life as a 100-year-old saint of God. All of this stuff is now inside you. Right now. <laughs> I do believe these are physical things. And one day, hallelujah to God, I need a good amen right here. One of these days, the sky is going to part. One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. One of these days, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm either going by the grave or I'm going by the rapture, but one of these days, I'm headed out of here. Bless the name of the Lord. And one of these days, I'm coming back here and I'm coming back here with the Lord Jesus and it's going to be real. You can reach out and touch it. It's physical. But right here, right now, it's spiritual. The moment you got born again, God put all of this in you. And it's there. And if you're saved, you recognize it. Here would be my question tonight that I would ask you. 
Is it in you? We've been through two of them and we're getting close to going to the third one. Probably won't make it there tonight, but based on the two that we've been to, uh, are they characteristic of you? Are they in you? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Have you ever become poor in spirit? I don't want to preach it again, but just to refresh your memory. God, I... I can't do this. It's not physical poverty. It's not poor uh, money-wise. It's not living in a dirt floor and in poverty. It's poor in spirit. It is God, I am empty. I can't save myself. I can't live for you. I can't do it. Every one of us is going to struggle. We're going to struggle with that sometimes because we still got this old flesh nature living in us that really wants to be in control. But if you've ever been born again, if Jesus has ever become your Lord, there's a voice way down deep inside your heart that says, You can't do this. And you have surrendered that. You have admitted that. You have acknowledged that. And it comes forth in your actions towards others. The Holy Ghost will make you be poor in spirit to your neighbor. I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I'm not good at this. Huh? He'll make you act that way towards your spouse. Poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn. When you realize how bankrupt you really are, and you realize the price Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary, and you begin to mourn over the fact, God, that's repentance. I really am bad. I really have messed up. I won't name who it was, but folks in the choir tonight, we were singing glorious freedom and once I was bound by sin's galling fetters and I watched a lady bow her head and raise her hands with tears and begin to worship. You know what that is? That's from a heart and you can raise your hand and have nothing behind it. You can say amen and but I want to tell you something tonight when it comes forth from the heart that is because God has put it there. It is because of a new birth that says not me not me, I can't, I'm not but he is blessed are they that are poor in spirit blessed are they that mourn these are in you unless they're not they're there unless they're not there they belong to you now and all of them do unless they don't belong I said a minute ago that these things are in me. I know it. I've looked at myself and I've talked to the Lord about them. And there's days and times and moments and, and these things spring forth from me, flow forth from me. See, the problem is, and that's why it bothered you that I said that. Some of you probably, maybe not. Nobody did anything, but I knew in your heart, you said, whoa, that's a proud problem is, is that they are there, but I ain't figured out how to walk in all of them yet, and I still got this old flesh hanging around. Huh? And it's here, and it's real strong too. And I'm struggling with it. And every now and then it overcomes, because I let it. But all of that stuff's there. And it didn't used to be there. 
It didn't used to be there. The problem sometimes church kids have is that they were saved at an early age and they don't remember anything before they got saved hardly and all they know is, well, I'm pretty sure it's there, but there was never a real drastic change. The problem is not is there a drastic change. I ask myself, are these things in me now? Do I act this way now? Right now. Some, some of you are, are going back to something happened 30 years ago, but there ain't nothing happening right now. You're on your treadmill and you want everybody to know that you're working out on your treadmill and you need to quit working out and let the Holy Ghost work in. You're exercising your religion and you're wearing yourself thin. You're going to wear yourself out and you're not going to get anywhere. And the Holy Ghost of God wants to impart something in you. He wants to bring the nature of God that you wasn't born with, that you don't have, that you can't buy, that you can't muster up on your own. And he wants to take that and he wants to put it in you. And it's not a working out, it is a working in that needs to happen in your life. You say, well, I, and, and some of you say, well, I, do I have to know what I prayed when I got saved? No. But here's what I'd ask myself now, but is there any characteristic of God in me now? Is it there? Are you poor in spirit now? Is it belong there? Are, are you are you mournful over sin at any time? Ever? Are you meek? And I, I, I mean to get to this. I'm just not getting there tonight, but I think we're getting where the Lord wants. Is there meekness in you? And that's not weakness. That's not passive. That's not compromising. Meekness is a really a strong characteristic that is understood that I need to submit myself to the will of God in my life. God's going to make me behave in ways that I would not ordinarily behave. God's going to ask things of me that I would not give or do. It's really a strength. Is it in you? Consider these things, are they, are they in me? If they are, they're all there. Every one of them. And they're there because God put them there the moment that he birthed you again. They're there tonight because God so merciful and gracious and good and kind that, 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 he, that he placed that new nature because your old nature would never get you into heaven. Your old nature would never please God. Your old nature would never get anywhere with God. Your righteousness was filthy rags. You were dead in trespassing sin. The wages of sin is death. And because of that, it would never be good enough. And God said, the nature you came into this world with is insufficient. Let me give you my nature. And tonight, a Christian bears the resemblance of the nature of God is am I still am I still growing absolutely am I learning to walk in this life absolutely but do I have all of the life that God gives in me absolutely I do I have it all or I have none of it nine fruit of the spirit the Bible said they that have not the spirit are none of his you don't have one not the others you have them all or you're not his Do you recognize these in you? Now I'll say this tonight so you don't leave depressed and I'm coming to an end. Just because you struggle with these things in you don't mean you don't have them. 
I struggle being humble, but it's there. Your first reaction may be the wrong one, but if Christ is living in you, there'll be a second reaction. <laughs> your first response may not be the right one, but in about five minutes, if Jesus is living in you, there'll be another response. <laughs> you didn't come up with that on your own. If you can stick with your stuff, if you can stick with your, if you can stick with your pride, if you can stick with your arrogance for too long, I'd scare myself. What's wrong with me? Your first one might be wrong, but there'll be another one. David, let me tell you a story about a man who had one little sheep and the man who had a bunch of them came and took and killed his one little sheep and can you believe that? And David said, kill the man! And Nathan said, okay, by the way, uh, you're the man with a bunch of sheep who killed, took the one man's sheep. Or not killed it, but took it. His first response, kill him! His second response, I have sinned. I am the man. There's a second one. I mean, you're still holding on to your first one. Jacob, what is thy name? Esau, that was the first response. When God got done with him, Jacob, what is thy name? My name's Jacob. That's the second response. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle of there, they become a new nature that come in and a new name that come in. Let me ask you something tonight. How's that working out for you? How is it working out for you? Running that treadmill of religion? Isn't it so tiring? When Christ wants to put that life in you. That's why you don't understand it. How can they be full of joy? How can they... How can they really live? And you think everybody's like you. People in, the, people in a certain boat think everybody's in the same boat as them. Well, everybody's like that. Everybody's like, no. No, they're not. You want them to be. Misery loves company. How's that working out for you? tonight? What you're trying to perform on the out Jesus wants to work on the end. And he looked at that whole crowd of disciples. And he said, I want to talk to you about your heart. And I want to offer you something spiritual right here and right now. And that's what my preaching desire is in all of this. Is there is the physical and it's coming. But I want to talk to you about the spiritual right now, tonight. God wants you to have it all. Every bit of it. And it'll flow from inside you. It is not something, it is not something that you perform, but it's something that performs from within. It's not something that you work, but it's something that works you. It's not something that you produce, but it's something that's producing you. I'll give you this illustration and I'll be done. And I, did any of that make sense at all? I'll give you this illustration tonight and I'll close. I've given it before. It's, you've heard it. Other people have heard it. 
young preacher went to an old preacher one day and said, I sure would like to know the secret of the Christian life. I, I want to know, old man of God, how you've lived for God all these years. I'd like to know the secret of Christianity. The old preacher said, all right, well, I'm going fishing in the morning. Why don't you pile up in the truck and we'll ride down to the lake and get on the boat and we'll go fishing. He said, sounds good. I get to go fishing and learn. The young preacher gets in the boat with the old preacher and the sun comes up that morning. Brother Mike, they fished all morning long. Not a word. When they did talk, they talked about fish and the weather. The young preacher thought, well, I thought I was going to learn something from this old man. He ain't said nothing of value. Fish and the weather. They fished for an hour, two, three, and off in the distance as they, as they put the boat in the water, off in the distance as the sun was coming up, the young man looked and he saw there was a little boy across the pond and he was just pumping water in a pail, filling up a bucket with water. Hour went by and that boy was still there pumping. He didn't think nothing of it. He just thought, boy, he must need a lot of water. They got closer and he said to the old preacher, he said, Preacher, he said, I, I hadn't learned you was going to tell me the secret of Christian life. I wish you would. He said, I will a little bit. You just keep on fishing. The preacher just kept paddling. Every so often he'd fish and then paddle, fish and paddle. Finally got to the shoreline. He said, I want you to look at that boy over there pumping water. He said, I've been looking at him all day. He said, I want you to pay close attention. The young man looked and he realized that that wasn't a boy. It was a statue of a boy. And that statue wasn't pumping the water. It was an artesian whale and the water was pumping the statue. And that boy was moving because of that water that was springing up in him. It was moving him. And like that, you can pump water all day long. There ain't nobody could pump water all day long in their own strength. That arm's going to wear out. You've got to take a break. You can't handle that. But when you're not pumping the water, but the, but the water's pumping you, you can pump water till Jesus comes back. And what Jesus wanted them disciples and what Jesus wanted that multitude to know is you can't pump this kind of water. You can't do this. It ain't possible for you. But what I have come to offer, he said, I will put it in you. What I have come to offer is that I have life that can flow from you and through you and can pump you. And you know what the secret of Christianity is? It's not my righteousness. It's not my works. It's not my law. It's not my service. But it is a great God that is living in me, that's doing the work. And what is produced that's right has come from the nature that he has put within me when he saved me. I felt like tonight before we went any further that you needed to see she comes to the piano that this is every bit as much spiritual maybe more than physical there's a world coming I'm leaving here in just a little bit could be tonight that the trumpet's going to sound and I'm headed out but what God's got to offer you Spiritually, he'll give you tonight. Is it in Ephesians that said, Who hath blessed us? Ephesians 1 3, I believe. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? I got it right now. 
It's mine right now. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's right now. It's coming physical, but it's here right now in my heart. For they shall be comforted. That's coming physical, but I've been down them roads of comfort with the Lord when I confessed my sin to Him with great tears and mourning and repentance. And I felt the forgiveness and cleansing of that sin. It's coming right now. Those times in meekness that only comes from God that I've submitted and surrendered to the will of God against my own will and flesh, they shall inherit the earth. There's some stuff I've inherited right now. I got peace right now. I got heaven in my heart right now. Joy in my life right now. Right now. Let's stand tonight. I believe the Lord's helped us this evening. Would you come talk to him tonight about whatever he's talking to you about? As she sings, you mind the Lord.